Hailing frequencies open and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Caliban, and I want to remind you that your second-in-command isn't dangerous when they start acting kind of weird and mellowed out, but I wouldn't follow them to a second location. I'm joined on the show, as usual, by Ella Pearson. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast on the Chronic Rift Network, which is at chronicrift.com. Welcome, Ella. Hey, you make me feel so important every time you introduce me. It's great. You're absolutely important. (laughs) At least half as important as I am. Uh, How was your week? It was good. I'm so excited. This episode was written by one of my Star Trek aunts, Kirsten Beyer. (laughs) Um, She's fantastic, and she buys me ginger ale when I'm carsick, and she responds to my emails even though her life is crazy working on Discovery (laughs) and her own novels, and she's the best. (laughs) You, Yeah, you have a lot of – you have a big Star Trek extended family. I do. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, yeah, she did write this episode. It's episode eight of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Siwi's Pacum Parabellum. Uh, I feel like I've gotten a, a, at least intro uh, education in Latin just trying to figure out how to say that. Uh, but we're here to break it down for you. As always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners, so be warned. We're glad that you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. So that phrase... Siwis pacum parabellum. It means if you want peace, prepare for war. Do you think that's a good adage to follow? Yes, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it seems to be the philosophy. Maybe applicable in Star Trek, maybe, but you know. <laughs> it seems to be. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems to be um, whenever you get the more like hawkish sort of characters uh, on Star Trek, they seem to, you know, espouse that or or believe in that idea. Whereas guys like uh, Kirk or Picard would be like, no, we're going to believe the best in people. And then when our hand is forced, you know, we'll retaliate. But yeah, uh, that's definitely, I think, the philosophy that our Captain Lorca would live by. Although he doesn't <laughs> um, he doesn't uh, spend a lot of time in this episode. He's just there a little, little tiny bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a good break from his nonsense, honestly. <laughs> he's, oh, he's a little aggressive. <laughs> uh, he is, but, you know, that's he was well cast because Jason Isaacs himself is uh, a spirited, uh, aggressive individual. It's true. I just hear uh, Lucius Malfoy when he talks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Already creeped out. <laughs> Well, the official synopsis for this episode is not available. I looked around before air and I couldn't really find one, but I did find a short summary from a CBS-related page that says the USS Discovery is tasked with a high-priority mission to the planet Pavo and learns the science behind the Klingons' cloaking technology, which is not entirely accurate. Uh, they are trying... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're trying to uh, sort of circumvent the Klingons cloaking technology, but uh, they don't exactly get there. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, this episode is written by uh, Kirsten Beyer, uh, who is a, a friend of you. I would consider <laughs> an extended friend of the show. And of course, she's an author of many, many uh, Star Trek books, um, specifically um, a lot of Voyager books. Yeah. And we find out a little more about how the, uh, the Federation wants to, to sort of counteract the invisibility screen or I guess we could probably just say cloaking device uh, in this episode that the Klingons have been using. And Cole's been busy, it seems like. He's sharing this with everybody. Yeah, I'm... Well, we haven't we haven't seen a lot of Klingon stuff in a couple episodes, right? Like, right. we've seen... Um, not since... Uh, what's the name of the the female Klingon in this episode? Uh, uh, L- L- Lorel. Lorel. <laughs> yeah. 
in the show, yeah. Um, yeah, we since not since um, Ash and um, Captain right. Lorca got away from her. Am Choose I am pain. I right? Choose your pain. Yep. Um, so it's yeah, it's interesting to see um how uh, they're still managing to be so evil. Um. Why did he murder everyone on her ship before promoting her? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. And it's kind of skipping to the end, but I had kind of a um, WTF moment, which is he seems to initiate her into uh, into the boys club, uh, but then she gets dragged off at the end. I didn't really know what was going on there. Yeah, I'm I'm a little confused. Um, honestly, I... Um... I haven't really been invested in the Klingon scenes until this episode. Okay. It's been a little, it's felt a little slow to me, which I think I've said before. I think I talked about it with the first two episodes, at least how it was like, they can't really talk through their, you know, prosthetics and everything. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Their their teeth are like, they're all molars, even the front ones. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to see where her character is going, though. Yeah. And um, every episode, I get more scared that um, the conspiracy theory is true, <laughs> and that I'm just going to be really angry by the time the season is over. It's pernicious. It's just I've, I'm sorry that I put it in there, but it seems like it's warming <laughs> its way in. I, That's all I think about during any of the Klingon scenes or anything with Ash anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, what if? Me too. And it kind of colored uh, my view of some of these scenes. Going back to the Klingons for a second, we're kind of yeah. get, and we are in the you know the front half of the season here. But I feel like we were promised uh, that we would kind of see this from both sides, and then we've really yeah, you're right. We really have kind of cut away from the Klingons, and so when they mm-hmm. come back, I've been trying to track. Uh, the sort of the political sort of aspect of it. But now that Valk has completely disappeared and you just mm-hmm. got, we get it, you know, Coles, he's a bad guy. He's a tyrant. And so we don't like this guy. I thought it was really neat to see at least the beginnings of, I don't know, something again, like you said, the conspiracy kind of colors everything, <laughs> but to see Laurel kind of go, I kind of, I kind of want out of here. Like, do you think we can do that? Like, I don't well, like she, Is she on. telling the truth? Yeah, we don't know exactly. I mean, because she, could... she was very focused on like I don't, the expression on her face when she was like asking what happened to prisoners was like very intense, and right. I am <laughs> right. not convinced that she's just thinking about herself. I'm freaked out about everything in general, <laughs> but I'm concerned about what she's planning. And yeah, she could. This could be a quadruple cross here. Who knows that who she's working for. Um, and about her face, like, don't they, do Klingons not have the technology that we do? I feel like if uh, half of Burnham's face was blown off and they were able to grow it back. So does she have to have this scar? She had, um, she had like a phaser burn, right? Was that what it was? Or something came out of the wall. Like they, maybe they shot a conduit or something like that. Yeah. I have no idea. It was pretty, I honestly didn't notice it at first. It's a little subtle and then i was like wait what's up with <laughs> yeah well they're yeah they're so lumpy already so <laughs> yeah i couldn't tell the difference well in this episode uh, once again there's no real teaser we just jump right into it it starts with a bang literally as uh discovery jumps into this fight where the um what was the ship the gargaran no that's something else i can't remember what this I have called. No idea. uh but they're uh, under attack by six different klingons and, uh, you know, I like seeing some of the uh, the fighting and uh, the um, space combat, but I do always feel that it really has the most weight when it's sort of built up to. And this is kind of what we just, you know, it, right out, phase cannons are blasting as soon as the episode begins. 
Well, yeah, and then we lost that uh, that uh, we lost that other ship so quickly. Yeah, I think it's another way to. We talked last week about how the war has been kind of pushed into the background, and this is another yeah. way in just a few minutes to say, okay, Discovery's got black alert; they can just go wherever they want. But you know, there's still there so there's losses uh, on both sides here, and the the cost of this uh, conflict is still high. Yeah, well, I thought it really showed the pressure on the crew, too, because, like, how many times have they been in that exact situation where they are forced to jump somewhere to try to save someone, yeah. and they can't, and then Lorca's like, eventually, <laughs> right, right, you'll get, uh, like, a second to, you know, feel your feelings, but until then, just keep doing what you're doing and follow my orders, or bad yeah. things will happen to you in yeah. my uh, tortured room. <laughs> And he, right, yeah, right. And he was, he was um, actually kind of conciliatory um, for Lorca after uh, that other ship was lost. I thought for sure that uh, Mr. Reese was going to get busted down to, to latrine duty. Yeah, I, um, I don't even, I don't even know. I, <laughs> the, just, because we haven't been seeing that much of the war, Yeah, I'm just seeing that one little battle, um, Especially since the rest of the episode was really all about um, Saru and then the Admiral. It was just so, like, different. Yeah. It had a very different... The opening had a very different feel in the rest of the episode. Um, Talking about the Admiral, usually at the end of the show we talk about uh, who's alive, who's dead, who's coming back. But what do you think? Is she alive still? I I mean, she has to be, right? I was... I I was going to say that. I was going to ask you if you thought that she was alive because I'm I'm not sure. And I thought I was going to be certain. I thought that they would show her moving. Yeah. Like I was 100% like bearing down on waiting for her to like jump up and be like, all right, where we're going. Right, right. Or where are we going? And then, um, you know, she walks into the um, the murder scene. <laughs> right, yeah. And then just leaves. <laughs> This doesn't seem like um, a stereotypical uh, two-parter, but it does seem to lead into the next episode. So maybe they'd want to just, oh, people will come back. They'll, they'll see what happens with that. And we'll I see hope here. so. I was disappointed. It was so much shorter than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I yeah. was really surprised when um, like the preview of next week's episode, episode came up because I was like, wait, no. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I need more. <laughs> I was watched with the, uh, the uh, closed captioning on. Uh, mm-hmm. Just for clarity. And at the end of the closed captioning, the little copyright CBS thing comes up. And that came up as they were pulling away from the tower. And I was like, wait a minute. That, that's it? What, <laughs> what about the other thing? Yeah. Well, speaking of the tower, speaking of Planet Pavo, we do have a mission going on there where Tyler, Burnham, and Saru are on their way to reach this. <laughs> so this is an, another um, kind of uh, fun thing that we get where I think the writers are really playing with the idea of what we consider to be uh, believable science, which is fine. It's Star Trek. You know, everything <laughs> everything is negotiable. But uh, yeah, on this planet, everything, apparently, all the organisms resonate in a certain tone. And there are these like crystal sort of tree towers that can broadcast some kind of signal that works like sonar. That's not how sonar works. But, you know, a... <laughs> A energy or, or uh, uh, you know, like maybe radar version of sonar is going to help them find uh, cloaked ships. At least that's their theory. And so they've mm-hmm. sent their intrepid away team down to figure this out. And we find out some fun facts that Saru can run at 80 kilometers an hour. 
oh my gosh i was so i was just waiting yeah. for him he was not going the full 80 i was waiting for him to bust that out to really let go yeah. like i want to see saru just like rocketing across <laughs> yeah. like that cliff at 80 well, kilometers an hour so bad yeah. It was uneven ground, so he couldn't get up to full speed. But yeah, yeah, he's he was being safe. <laughs> uh, the most yeah. athletic of the Kelpians can hit the full eighty, but <laughs> right, yeah, those, yeah, that's from the Kelpian Olympics, right? <laughs> that's not your average user. Uh, and we also find out that this planet is inhabited by an intelligent species where they thought it wasn't before. It's by what looks like kind of an energy being of some sort, and they reminded a me of Patronus. Um, a Patronus, yeah, a Patronus. <laughs> Or like, I bring you peace. They just seem like uh, the when Mr. Burns is uh, uh, gets all drugged up in The Simpsons. Um, and like uh, Mr. Burns, they have a, a similar message. Uh, they, they apparently are very um, peaceful. Um, they, they live in harmony. And they're willing to share that with Saru to mm, maybe not great effect for our uh, crew's mission. <laughs> they're willing to, like, quote, share, unquote their peace yes i don't i don't buy it <laughs> and what i yeah i don't buy it either but i think it, i think that it's well written in that we don't get especially at the end with what we find out um we don't get the idea that they're trying to do anything nefarious necessarily we actually get a really interesting look into the psychology of the kelpians and it doesn't we don't really get a like a real explanation or payoff until the end in the, the scene in sickbay but saru explains that his race in him in particular they live with this fear and mm -hmm. it informs so much of their decisions that when he got a, a like a quantum of solace if you will when he got a when a taste you know a freedom from this fear um it's kind of left to us to decide like if it was really mind altering or if that's maybe just you know the way that he felt like he felt like a way out uh, like he didn't have to be afraid and he's willing mm -hmm. to do some weird kind of questionable things to protect that feeling. I do wish um, somebody would give him just like a like a quarter dose of Xanax. <laughs> right. Yeah. There are, I, I guess feel like no... he needs a break. He needs a breather. <laughs> yeah. I can't. You would think that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What is the state of uh, uh, psychiatric pharmacology in the future? <laughs> we say, don't know. Like, anxiety medicine. Like. Yeah. I mean, in the future. Like. <laughs> They've rejected. Uh, well, they've they actually they they're fine with uh, cybernetics, but they've rejected uh, genetic modification. And I guess it's a Scientologist future because there's no uh, pharmaco pharmacological uh, <laughs> drugs for that. Because if there was, Lorca would def or he should at least definitely be on them. <laughs> Admiral Cornwall would be like, "Yeah, good to see you again. Here's a couple Xanax. That'll, that'll even you out a little bit." Sleep you're sleeping with a phaser under <laughs> your <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. That is indicating of a problem. <laughs> Uh, we also get some clarification or at least uh, some more details about their first contact policy, which I found fascinating because Tyler brings up, you know, isn't this a prime directive problem and or a general order one problem? And Burnham clarifies that it doesn't really matter at this point. Like we're, we, we are talking to these people. And so we have to follow the rules of that. And our Starfleet enlightened rules are we can't like trade or accept anything or get any goods or services from them without them understanding exactly what it is that we want to accomplish. Like we can't be acting um, against their interest, which I thought that's such a Starfleet rule. Yeah. It's so great. It's <laughs> so they're not like you want these shiny beads give us your plan. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, it looks like the, these aliens would be bringing them the shiny beads, though, because they have at one point, Saru True. brings out this, um, it looked like kryptonite. He brings out like this big green rock and he's like, hey, You're check so this right. out. Yeah, yeah. And it, again, that's the whole problem with Tyler, because at that point he grabs it and Saru, they can read his mind or, or whatever. And he's like, wait a minute, you your intentions are false. And I'm like, yeah, I think they are. <laughs> I think they might be. According I to wanted the to internet. know what actually like happened, like what Saru saw. Like if he only figured out that he and um Burnham were obviously like <laughs> something is wrong with Saru, or if he saw like something else, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um Ash Tyler may or may not be <laughs> in reality. <laughs> I, I think it's all intentional. I think it's all on purpose because you know, viewers of TV are so smart these days. Um, and it's thanks in part to Star Trek. Star Trek has made us this smart. And I think mm-hmm. uh, unless it's all just BS <laughs> and we're all just uh, wasting our time, I think they know what they're doing. And so when you give us a scene like that, it has the um, the, the, the self-evident layer. But there's also a layer there as well that keeps us kind of guessing. OK, so I I don't I know what happened the first time you got introduced to a conspiracy theory. But are you ready for another one? Oh, God, I (laughs) probably not, but hit me with it. I this is getting really this is two layers of tinfoil. But I uh, read one that said that it isn't uh, Shazad Latif that is, you know, he was playing uh, uh, whoever uh, Cole or or Vok. It's that this Javad Iqbal actor who apparently doesn't exist is Jason Isaacs because they share the same initials. Oh, my God. Yes. Now, uh, if you apply numerology to the... No, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that... <laughs> I was concerned for a second. That seems... That seems... Yeah, I'm getting a tone in my own brain. Uh, no, that that seems a little crazy to me. But somebody... The, basically, the theory was that, like, isn't it so obvious? And so it is so obvious. This, uh, 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 this theory is like a stalking horse. It's like a cover theory for the actual conspiracy that's going on. Oh, my God. I mean, I like the show. I just enjoy watching the show. Like, I don't need all these <laughs> real world shenanigans to like to make it more exciting for me. I was I was on IMDb earlier because I was like, I need to look at this for myself. Sure. <laughs> and while there is the profile that like doesn't have a picture and says uh, Javid Iqbal and then just has Star Trek Discovery. Right. There's also another Javid Iqbal. And he doesn't have Star Trek Discovery listed in his stuff, but he looks like he could possibly be the dude under the prosthetics. Okay, okay. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) He's got like a a long face, like maybe he's under there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, Um, possibly. I mean, he's an actor. He's not like a crew member or a producer. he's an actor, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I I don't think I saw him, so uh, they're still at work. Uh, unless black... I unless I got way too excited when I figured out that there actually was another person on IMDb named Judy Iqbal, then yes, he's an actor. Yes. Uh, and in this episode, it looks like Burnham and Tyler are continuing to deepen their relationship. Um, I like the fact that, yeah, you know, the previous episode sort of fast forwarded it and then kind of rolled it back, but it hasn't totally erased it. And she does seem to feel at ease with him. Uh, in a way that she doesn't with anybody else. Yeah, she seemed really comfortable. I was a little surprised. I expected um, there to be more, like, tension this episode. Like, there was um, last episode with them. Yeah. Um, Kind of the, like, will they, won't they, even though, obviously, like, they are. Um, But 
just the way they were acting made me wonder, like, you know, like, how much are they hanging out? How much have they hung out between last episode and this episode? Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, we don't really get a strong idea of how much time has passed. Yeah, like, I want to know, like, what's going on. Like, I want to know how many times they've been, like, eating lunch together and Tilly walks past, like, raising her eyebrows and, like, winking. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I want right. to know. <laughs> Uh, yes, they have a uh, they have a nice little moment. Uh, there, there's a little exchange that I thought was a little bit on the nose, or um, you know, they talk about the needs of the many and the needs of the few, and mm-hmm. I know that that is you know specifically connected to uh, to Spock or at least his logical philosophy, and she is Vulcan, so maybe we're supposed to think that that's something that Sarek said around the house. But I always just thought that that was like his thing, Spock's thing with Kirk, and to hear it here to me sounded kind of like mm, okay. I get, I'm watching Star Trek. I get it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm. You could put that line in literally any TV show anywhere, and it would still <laughs> get me every time. You'll still catch me like tearing up, like turning away from the TV. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thomas the Tank no, Engine like... <laughs> is talking about yes. Uh, also, uh, it looks like uh, that Tyler has this. Uh, when war's over, he's going to go and live in his uh, in his lake house. Which made me think, uh, oh, I'd love to see the lighthouse, but instead of uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, Keanu Reeves, it's uh, Tyler and Burnham (laughs) passing notes to each other through a transporter. Uh, And then he talks about eating lake trout. And I don't know if it was or not, but it seemed like a like a, a nod to The Wire to me. You ever seen The Wire? No, I haven't actually. There's a exchange in the wire where you know they live in Baltimore and they're talking about eating like um, every corner shop has lake trout and the fact that lake trout. They're like, do you think this is really lake trout? Do you see a lake around here? You know, and it's the idea of <laughs> being given something that is not exactly what it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm going? Yes. Conspiracy. Yes. <laughs> conspiracy. Conspiracy. I was also going to say Lake Shasta, Lake Trout, all very specific for somebody who <laughs> yeah. we think might be a Klingon. I like... see. So you think these are these are all um, lines in a dossier. That he's memorized. And he's like, I know he's, he's from Lake Shasta. He's been, he's been following a script for right. months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if she looks it up, she'll find, wait, Lake Shasta was d- destroyed in World War III. Like, there is no lake there anymore. <laughs> the calls are coming from inside Discovery. Uh, a lot of this, uh, the action of the episode has to do with ethics. And I thought that there was a nice, a small but nice little moment this week where uh, Lieutenant Stamets is talking with Tilly uh, about the position that he's in. Um, he was real happy last week and not anymore. Now he's grumpy again. And it's partially because he's in a position where something might be wrong. And it's great when your husband is a doctor because you can get that fixed up right away. But he's put his husband in a position, um, unthinkingly, unknowingly, where it's an ethical dilemma because he, as a doctor, should, should be treating him if there's something wrong. But it means that he'll have to, you know, as an officer of Starfleet, report it. So we can't have that. And he's kind of stuck. And it, there's no one that he can turn to except, I guess, Tilly. That was so sweet. I love um, how Tilly, especially when he was like, you're dismissed. And she yeah. was kind of like, I'm just going to stay here until you tell me what's wrong. I love <laughs> yeah. her character so much. Yeah, I think I talked about this before, how like she's we know that she's nervous. She said that she's nervous all the time. She's awkward. But then she does stuff like this, yeah. which makes me love her even more. Yeah, she continues to be a favorite of mine. Um <laughs> 
down on the planet, uh, Saru is experiencing um, peace and harmony, and he wants to share it with everybody. Do you think that this is, you know, we, we do get the explanation about um, what it's like when a Kelpian, you know, has that fear removed. But do you think that if they had stayed there long enough, uh, Tyler and Burnham would have been subjected to a similar thing? Is this a Star Trek V thing, is what I'm saying, when your pain <laughs> is taken away, suddenly you, act, you start acting goofy? I think it was... Um... Well, for Saru especially, I think it was partly that the um, the Patronuses <laughs> were having <laughs> some kind of effect on him. But I think it just – their effect combined with just the way he, like, is, the way he lives as a Kelpian, yeah. I think made it just, like, extra bad for him. Yeah. Um, although I do wish, just like from a dramatic perspective, I wanted to see a much more brutal fight between him and <laughs> Burnham. It gets pretty <laughs> Especially bad. Especially once he was like, stop taking everything away from oh, me. Yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. It's it's really uh, fun to see that that's not gone, too. Or at least it's, yeah. been, it's been dredged up because we thought we had patched that over, but it's it goes deep. Yeah, it's so interesting. Again, after reading um, David Mack's novel, can't talk about it enough. Right. Um, any scene where they have any sort of tension is just like multiplied by ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives her a he gives her a kick too. He gives her the big horse kick. That can't be fun. <laughs> Guy that can run eighty kilometers an hour. That's you don't want that. So somehow, I oh, go think ahead. about that when yeah. she's like rolling around on the ground. It's the same dude that theoretically can run eighty miles per hour on those same right. hooves, feet. Yeah. So uh, everything works out okay eventually, although it's a little scary for a while. Uh, you're a little worried because um, we've seen this in in Star Trek before. Like, oh, why is uh, Data acting weird, or, or mm -hmm. so on and so forth? But when this guy starts acting weird, you know, he's going he's going full Del Toro. If he starts growing <laughs> if he starts growing eyes in his hands, you should run. It's bad news. <laughs> but uh eventually, yeah, he's talked down and hopefully um you know, the episode ends abruptly after the development that yeah. um the Klingons are on their way. And I I loved how they mentioned early in the episode Saru's talking about, Oh, they've achieved this peace and harmony and right away I'm thinking, Well, how are we gonna ruin that? Like <laughs> We're going to wreck that somehow. Got to be put in jeopardy somehow. Yeah. And the um, the, the people uh, of, of the planet Parvo are like, they're like that friend who you, you tell your friend that you've got a problem with another friend and the friend you told doesn't really get it. And they're like, <laughs> well, just, hey, come here, R Ronnie, come here. We're going to talk about this. No, 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 no. We, I don't want to talk. Hey, hi. Okay. So now we have to deal with this like immediately. Oh, my God. I <laughs> That just gave me war flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, don't share too much of your personal life on the show, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think we should check our threat ganglia in this case. Uh, who do you think is heading for the big holodeck in the sky in future episodes? Hmm. Um, I got a few choices myself, but go ahead. Well, I'm worried about the Admiral. She's not already dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just generally worried about Ash because I feel like maybe we finally figure out that he's it's the conspiracy is wrong but uh, then he's just immediately murdered <laughs> you're okay. like wait every sweet thing you said was real and not fake and then we just lose him immediately right right um i don't want to well we can speculate it's our show uh i mean like if it is sort of revealed that 
uh, what, uh, you know, what we think is the it, conspiracy is true. Does he then can he go, look, I my feelings are real. And having lived with you, I've realized that, you know, this is not the way. And maybe we should get together and, you know, hold hands and share coke and stuff like could the, <laughs> could the relationship continue? No, get off my no. ship. <laughs> you're a Klingon. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I think that um, I'm worried about the uh, citizens or the denizens of Pavo, uh, honestly. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think a nice, uh, this is right the, the right part of the war where a nice atrocity would really help move things forward. Yeah, yeah. And... Although, how do you, like, how do you injure something that's made of, what What are they made of? Yeah, well, yeah, what are they made of? Um, but if they are sort of supported by you know they are described as the spirit of the planet which is not very scientific but if they sort of live in the crystals or sort of generated by the the energy and and the the tone of the planet if you burn the planet that'll take care of that real quick yeah or just like one quick uh photon torpedo to the crystal tree (laughs) yeah that'll do it too um (laughs) setting it for the right phase resonance or whatever they'd say. In yeah, Blazer probably. Um, I uh, also I'm a little here's my new theory. It's this is um, not based on anything. It's just my little fan and sort of theory. Um, I'm worried about the spore network at this point because it was Discovery's uh, tool. They've been using it. It is, a, of course, an important technology. Now we're really getting the suggestion that the Klingons are really going to go after this thing. And that that might be Lorel's um, entire gambit here is to sort of get back uh, along with maybe or maybe not uh, the Vox situation, that if they get their hands on this, then they'll have a weapon that can't be countered, and Starfleet will have no choice but to you know t- destroy or eliminate the Spore network, which would then explain its absence in future shows. Oh, definitely. I definitely think Endgame has to be like Stamets tragically blowing up his life's work because the Klingons can't get it. Yeah. Um. Because to have something in this show that's so different from anything else we've seen in Star Trek before, like, I don't know where else it could go. Yeah. Unless they, be... like, they put it in a safe, lock it up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and just uh, bring it out later. <laughs> just one mushroom <laughs> in the basement of some <laughs> Starfleet archive. Right. <laughs> they go back to uh, Lorca's room and then in a little safe under uh, his desk, he's got one yeah. mushroom in there. Yeah. Um, any other uh, thoughts about the about the episode? Um, yeah, when we were talking, when we did the threat ganglia bit, we didn't talk about Stamets, and I just realized that I'm really concerned about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I am as well. I don't know, this this show has focused on a kind of tight uh, cast, you know, just just several sort of people. Even Lorca is sort of not exactly a main character, but... Mm -hmm. um, having anthony rap as um as stamets it does i don't know i i think that he's gonna make it for a while although what's going on with him what is he seeing like what's happening to him is he slipping through I'm time concerned. when he called tilly um captain for a second i was i was shook because i was thinking that it was some sort of freaky time thing yeah. where he stepped out of the thing and then he saw tilly in the future Right. And so he called her captain because in the future she is a captain. Yeah. Um, But then I was like, 
when when the when the weird time stuff was happening beforehand, it was Mud's fault, and it wasn't really directly yeah. connected to spores. So like, right. I don't really know how that would work. Even though I kind of I kind of want that to have been what happened. <laughs> I mean, there was that the, his immunity to the sort of time loops and the whole yeah. mirror thing in that in that one episode. I'm okay. Where where is the mirror thing going? Because that that was the scariest thing I've like ever seen in Star Trek in my life, and and now nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you want him to keep walking by mirrors or something like that? Have a weekly mirror check. I mean, yes and no. Yes, I want to know what's happening, but if the fewer <laughs> creepy mirror stimets I see, <laughs> the better. Honestly, this, yeah. I well, I think that it definitely has to be a time thing because it's so specific. It's a, a specific thing that we know about yeah. Tilly and her ambitions. This isn't, you know, Harry Kim plays the clarinet or something like that. Like she <laughs> wants to be a captain, and it's brought yeah. up a lot. And so, yeah. that's not just a coincidence. I don't think. Well, I hope not. And we'll find out in the future <laughs> on a future show. Uh, that's it for this show for this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTpod for updates. And you can get notified when new episodes of both this show, Discoverage, and episodes of Enterprising Individuals come out. And you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage. Also, while you're on the Internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice, be it Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play, and subscribe to the show. Uh, give us a rating while you're there and a review if you think of it, because that really helps us out. And if you like the show, please Tell a friend. Well, you can join us next week when we talk about the ninth episode of Star Trek Discovery called Into the Forest I Go. I don't know what that one's about. <laughs> Probably a forest. Um, whew, With Patronuses. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, there Goes the Forest is probably what it should be called. Uh, but we'll see. We'll reserve judgment. Light the forest on fire. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, well, thanks for joining me on the show, Ella. Where can people find you online? Thank you. Um, they can find me at generationsgeek.com. They can find us at generationsgeek on Instagram and Twitter. And our newest episode should be out uh, tomorrow night. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can finally tune into the alien episode. It should be good. <laughs> that sounds great. Have you seen uh, Thor Ragnarok yet? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When are you guys going to do a, a Thor episode? As soon as possible. Ragnarok. <laughs> saved my life i thought it was fantastic and i love loki and tom hiddleston so much that my entire year is made sure or at the very least uh, a jeff goldblum episode yes <laughs> think about it. independence day jurassic park now thor ragnarok and connect them all together we can play all of his laughs in a row that's my <laughs> yeah there you go uh well thanks again for joining me thank you listeners for listening and we're signing off this is caliban for ella saying live long and prosper 